Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're gonna talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're gonna hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, demystifying HR and people management. I'm your host, Susan Ney. And I would like to extend a very warm welcome to Julia Wooster. Julia is coming to us from London, Ontario in Canada. Hi, Susan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for saying yes. I'm, this is going to be a really interesting session. They're all interesting. Anyways, let me tell you a little bit about Julia. A certified hypnotist and a Reiki master. And she helps individuals like you and me move forward from habits such as nail biting, getting rid of excess weight, stopping smoking, kicking alcohol and drug addictions, and so much more. Through both traditional hypnotherapy and a technique that's called the Simpson protocol. She's also able to work with her clients to remove the big internal blocks that do get in the way of our being able to move forward more positively. Now, I know that each of the areas that just just been outlined do have other paths that we can pursue to conquer our challenges. But I know that some of those other paths haven't always worked for some of us, me being one of those. I'm always curious to learn of different roads to explore. And Julia, I really appreciate that you said yes to joining us so that we can learn more about the practice of hypnotherapy and of Reiki. So again, huge welcome and really appreciate you saying yes to sharing your expertise with, with myself and the listeners. Now, you shared with me that you began your career journey attaining training as an admin assistant and then you actually worked in that role in both the public and the private sectors, but you felt unfulfilled. And so you decided to pursue both your hypnotist certification with the National Guild of Hypnotherapists and your training to become a Reiki master. That's an interesting curve from being an administrative assistant. Can you share, first of all, a little bit about those decisions and, and why these choices for you? Um. As you said, I, you know, I was a, an assistant secretary, executive assistant and all that, and I was really good at it, but you know what, I just didn't really like it a whole lot. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's the jobs. So I would move jobs throughout the years. And mm -hmm. uh, then I kind of went on my own and did the virtual assistant thing. And I thought, okay, it's kind of like that old saying in dating. It wasn't them. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And so, you know, I just started looking for something else. I would just, you know, feeling like I knew there was something else that I should be doing, but I wasn't really sure what it was. And at the same time, I decided it was time to finally stop biting my nails. And that was a habit I had all my life. 
And so I reached out to a hypnotist in my town and went and had two sessions with her and I stopped that habit. And I thought, this is so cool. Because mm -hmm. I love, I've always loved helping people. And I thought, this is the way I can really help people. And at around the same time, I went and I had a Reiki session with a Reiki master in my town. And that just blew me away. I mean, I left her house because her, her practice was in her home. Mm -hmm. And I stopped off at the Michael's craft store and I walked out of that craft store with all the stuff to make wreaths for the front door for Christmas. And I don't like Christmas. <laughs> and so I started having experiences a few days after that, that just kind of thought, wow, Reiki is pretty amazing too, because, you know, it just changed me for days because Reiki keeps working long, you know, for days after the Reiki person stops working on you. And I'm going to ask you some questions about those practices sure. a little later on in the podcast. Okay. Um, okay. And so uh, I decided, oh, sorry. Nope. Okay. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. So I thought, you know, I need to learn how to do this too. And so I did my Reiki level one training. And then a few months later, I did my Reiki level two training. And a year later, I did my Reiki master training so I could teach Reiki. And that, that's a lot of, that was a lot of fun. I'm not, really doing a lot of that, not really doing that at all now. And then a year later, I had the opportunity to take my Reiki or my hypnosis training. Okay. And that's where my real, I found that's where the real passion is. And so I, that was in March of 2013. And since then I've taken training in various hypnosis techniques. The NGH training was the basic training. And so I was I've taken training and other techniques just to expand. And I like, I like to learn something new every year. And then last year I took the Simpson protocol training and that just kind of blew it out of the water. That, that was just a game changer. Wow. Okay. We're going to hear more about that in the podcast as well. So I'm doing some foreshadowing for our listeners. Okay. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how does hypnotherapy work? Is, is that an easy question or her a very complicated scientific question? It can be a long, it can be a long explanation, but I'll, I'll give you the Coles notes version. Okay. <laughs> Basically, when we discuss how hypnosis works, we talk about the conscious part of the mind, which is where you are now. That's your rational, logical mind. And that's very limited. It only holds about seven to nine pieces of, of information. Below that is your subconscious mind. That's the biggest part, the biggest part of your mind. Everything you've experienced from the time you were born, maybe conceived, maybe before, if you believe in past lives. And everything is stored there either positively or negatively as a known association. And depending on how things are stored there, you either have, that's what informs your habits, your fears, your beliefs. If somebody was, you know, attacked by a dog when they were three, they may grow up with a fear of dogs. Okay. And so that part of your mind does not like to make change. It has its programming and it sticks to it. And so someone, if someone consciously decides that, decides that they want to stop being afraid of dogs, They'll make that conscious decision. And then that, this, that choice goes past another part of the mind called the critical factor, which checks in with the subconscious mind and says, can we let that suggestion in? Mm. The subconscious mind is going to say, no, nope, my programming says that Susan needs to be afraid of dogs because she was bitten when she was three, so reject the suggestion. When you go into the hypnotic trance state, we bypass that critical factor. We tell it to get lost for a while while we do the work. And then if the change or the suggestion is something that the person really wants to make and it won't hurt them, 
that change should go in and change that programming in the subconscious, like a hot knife going through a piece of cold butter. Wow. Wow. Okay. And that, that transitions nicely. And I think I've probably answered my own question, but let me, let me try. So I struggle with my weight and mm -hmm. like others, I have tried all the different diets, joined Weight Watchers, lost the weight and have always regained what I lost. Um, where other programs have been unsuccessful. I know that hypnotherapy indeed works for some, and I'm thinking of some of the addictions challenges that people struggle with. Now, when we were talking, you mentioned to me that the staying power of hypnotherapy does depend on the individual, and you've, you've just touched a little bit on that. Is that different than the typical requirements of the staying power, like using Weight Watchers that, you know, I can't all of a sudden go to eating way many, too many calories than, than I'm using up. Is the staying power the same with hypnotherapy as it would be with more traditional programs? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. The traditional programs, a lot of them are really, really good, but they don't really address those reasons that are programmed in the subconscious. Like for example, you know, a lot of little kids, a lot of people grow up and they hear from their parents, finish all the food on your plate, there are children starving wherever. Yep, yep, that was me. Or if somebody's a little girl or a little boy, they fall, they hurt their knee or they get really upset or sad about something, a, you know, a grown up will give them a cookie to make them feel better. Yep, that too, ice cream. <laughs> Somebody may have been deprived of something. Someone may not have been allowed to have, like, say, cookies or chips or something when they were growing up. And they grow up and say, well, I'm a grown-up now. I can have all I want. And so all those things get, you know, programmed in, that subconscious, in the subconscious okay. part of your mind. And so even though somebody goes to Weight Watchers or a Jenny Craig or Tops or whatever, mm -hmm. or they just try to follow a diet plan on their own, those plans don't address the underlying reasons why okay. they're hoping people hold on to the weight or they tend to they or they tend to kind of overdo it or they just don't stick to it. And so it, hypnosis is a great hypnosis is a really good partner to those programs. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, the staying power is that that the bypassing of that critical, but it's there's something inside our conscious and subconscious that makes a determination as to whether our own body is going to allow us to actually make those changes. Well, it's in the subconscious part. Subconscious. Consciously, like, as I said, you know, like I said, you know, everybody said the, the conscious mind is limited. It only holds so many pieces of information. Mm -hmm. Someone can have the best of intentions and say, you know, I'm going to follow my diet. I'm going to stick to the plan. And then they have a bad day and, you know, the stress, a stress comes in or the bad day comes in and the willpower might get pushed out and they might say, gee, that chocolate cake looks really good. And that's going to make me feel a whole lot better. Mm -hmm. And yet with hypnotherapy, where somebody has just made that choice internal to them, then that remembrance of that having brought pleasure in the past is mitigated through the hypnosis? Well, kind of, what happens? It's kind of changed because we can go in and just, you know, go through experiences that, and we can talk about that further when, about the, when we talk about SP, Simpson Protocol, but. Oh, perfect, okay. Basically, 
we change the feelings around that, we change the habit, we, you know, the subconscious mind, we can change that program for saying, you know, I have foods, food is comfort, food is love. Mm -hmm. And we can change that to say, you know what, sure, food's comfort and love, but you don't have to eat just because you're sad. Mm, okay, Let, let's, let's move to the Simpson protocol. Um, and if you could also with that share your Kirsten Langston story, because it's wonderful. Okay um because i know that you went out on a limb and took a chance in connecting with kirsten uh the youtube video is awesome and a huge testimony to the work that you do it took a lot of courage on your part and for our listeners i will put the youtube information in the podcast show notes so maybe a little bit about that story and and in that if you could talk a little bit about as well the simpson protocol the sp that you've referred to sure okay uh we'll start with the story about kirsten because that was kind of interesting um, Kirsten is a psychic down in California who I followed for a few years because she's entertaining and she's, you know, she's quite good. But um, I watched a video she had done back in the fall last year of an interview she did with a shamanic healer she had a session with. And I thought, okay, I know Kirsten's really big on promoting people who she really believes in or she's worked with and she likes and thought, I'm going to take a chance. And I dropped her an email and said, hey, you know, I just learned about this new, this new hypnosis technique. I'd like to share it with you. And I'd like to offer you a session, you know, if you're game, you know, mm -hmm. she wrote back said, yeah, I'm down for anything like that. Absolutely. Let's do it. So we set up a time and we did it. And um, she's, you know, I said, do you have an issue you want to work on? And she said, no, not really, but I'd like to explore how some past, explore past lives and how they're impacting my life now. And I said, okay, well, I had not taken training in SP. I had taken past life training in other hypnosis in typical hypnosis. I thought, okay, well, we can kind of MacGyver this and kind of go with it and figure uh -huh. it out. Yeah. And we did. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And so and, we did, and, and she recorded it and she posted it. it. Yeah, it's fascinating to watch. Yeah, anyways. And so let's, let's um, what is the Simpson Protocol? The Simpson Protocol is a holistic hypnosis process technique that was actually developed by a woman named Ina Simpson, who's in British Columbia, actually. Yay. And yeah, and it, it works with the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, but it also works with, with another part of the mind called the critic or the super conscious mind. And that's the higher mind. It's, we, you know, kind of compare it to the Google of the mind. It's, a part, it's the all-knowing part of your mind. It's your higher self. Young and, talks about that, Carl Young. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when the, when the client goes into hypnosis in this, set, in this process, I have the conscious mind park itself in a comfortable place where it can observe, be curious what's going on, but not actively get involved. And it have, and I have asked, I ask it to trust the superconscious mind to do the work. And so in the process, it's almost like I'm having an interview with the superconscious mind. I'm asking it questions. You know, are there experiences that cause or affect this issue? Are there other things? There are all the various questions that I, we ask in it. Mm -hmm. And the superconscious, we program a finger for a yes response and one a finger or a thumb for a no response. And the superconscious mind will respond with the yes or the no signals. And based on the, the yes or no answer, I ask it to do other things to help resolve the issue. If I sp speak to this client's conscious mind, I address the client by name. So if I were working, working with you, for example, mm -hmm. I would be addressing your superconscious mind as superconscious mind. But if I wanted to address your conscious mind, I would say Susan. Okay. 
And the really beautiful thing about this process is that I don't even have to know what the issue is. The client doesn't even have to know what the issue is. The superconscious mind knows what the issue is. And it's, been, it's interesting because I've had clients emerge from hypnosis and they've said, wow, that was crazy because there were questions you were asking. I was thinking consciously the answer should be yes. But the superconscious mind gave the no response. Mm. And the superconscious mind's always right. We trust the superconscious mind to know the right answers. And so it's, it's really, really cool. And it was incredible to watch that process um, with Kirsten. And yeah. so, yes, I do encourage anyone who's curious about the Simpson protocol to uh, take a few minutes and, and watch that video. Yeah. Oh, there's one thing. Can I just add one thing? Yeah, absolutely. Just to give you an idea, or the other really nice thing is that because I don't really have to know what the issue is, I usually do know what the first issue is because they call me for, clients call me for a reason. Yeah. But I worked with, the nice thing about this is it, it takes all of any judgment, not that hypnotists should be judging the clients anyway, I never do, but it just removes any judgment because I don't even know what it's working on. Um, I worked with a client, I think Monday night, and she went through seven issues in that session. Wow. And when she emerged, I said, did you even know what any of those issues were? And she said, no, but I feel great. So she would remember coming out of the Simpson protocol about what you'd asked and how does that work? Okay, pe people tend to, uh, people usually think that when you're in hypnosis, you're zonked out, you're, you're unconscious and you don't know what's going on. You're actually very aware of what's going on in hypnosis. And so clients will remember, they may not remember every word that I said, but they'll remember, a lot of people remember the gist of it. Okay. They'll remember, it's like if you have a conversation with a friend, half an hour later, you may not remember the exact con the word for yeah. word, but you will probably remember pretty much the idea of what was said. Some people don't, some people will go so deep into hypnosis that they, they'll open their eyes and say, wow, I don't remember any of it, but it, it, it again, it depends on the client. Okay. Okay. They're really interesting. Now I, I understand you also teach self-hypnosis if, if I might be wrong about that. Is so is that part of what you if you do, <laughs> is that part of what your standard working with your clients would be, or is it something extra that somebody would want to talk to you about? No, it's part of the process. Um, at the end of the first session, we program in three keywords for the client that they can use for their own self-hypnosis on their own. And then after they leave, I send them an email with these, like we we practice it before they leave mm -hmm, the first mm -hmm. session. But after they leave, I send them an email with instructions on how to do it. And I also send them a document with tips on creating positive suggestions for themselves. And the really interesting thing is that those three key words, like when I do the first session, I do a standard kind of what's called an induction to, to take them in, to guide them into hypnosis. Mm -hmm. But after that first session, after we program in those three key words, I use those three key words to take them to hypnosis for their future sessions. Wow. Okay, that's really cool. Okay. Um, some of these questions you might have already answered. Are you able to bring absolutely anyone you work with into a hypnotic state? Or are there some individuals who can't get there? And if so, what do you do? Okay, short answer is anybody who has an IQ of over 70 and wants to be hypnotized can. Okay. But the, the key word is 
they have to want it because I cannot make anybody do anything they do not want to do. Um, hypnosis is a 100% consent state, which means that the client has to want to go into hypnosis and they have to be willing to go into hypnosis. You know, it's like if you go to a wedding and somebody comes to your table and says, hey, Susan, do you want to dance? You have the choice to say yes or no. Okay. You say yeah. yes, you dance. You say, you say no, you sit it out and just keep talking to your friends. Okay, good. No, I'm glad I asked that question. Um, I took a look at your website and you have a quote. The only thing stopping you from living the life of your dreams is you, which I think is very pertinent given our, our conversation to this point. And another is change your world from the inside out. One of my questions was tell, tell us more about why these quotes resonated with you. But I think in your answering some of the questions, it really is within us. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a decision that we make and a choice that we make. Um, so I think I, I was going to ask how it applies to what you do for your clients, but I, you, you've answered that. So I'm going to move on to the, the next one. And it's also been answered because I, I know, but I will, I will just mention it. I know I've attended sessions at like local venues where the audience watches as the hypnotist works with a crowd of people on stage and uh, under hypnosis, they do all sorts of silly things. And I, I know for me, it's been enough to ensure that I am not one of the ones that puts up my hand. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> but I've, I've heard people voice that they, you know, did they know what they were doing? And obviously, it sounds as though they would. It's by choice. They go into the hypnotic stage willingly. And if they're clucking like a chicken, then they've made a choice to be prepared to do that. Um, but also I've heard about a concern about, well, what happens if I can't come out of hypnosis? Is, is there any truth to that? I've never experienced it. And my training told me that, no, that's, you can't get stuck in hypnosis. Hypnosis, basically staying in hypnosis depends on the client listening to my voice. You know, it's not the swinging wash. It is not staring into my eyes. It's actually me talking to someone that takes them into hypnosis. Okay. And so if I stopped talking, like if I got up and walked out of the room and didn't come back and the client was in the hypnosis chair, if I, if they stopped hearing me for like for say 10 minutes, maybe even five minutes, um, they probably just, you know, okay. Open their eyes and just come back to awareness. And think, okay. Well, that's weird. Where is she? Okay. Okay. Not that I would ever do that, but um, no, 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 no. <laughs> and it's, it's while I've watched those, um, entertainments because, because they have them, although there are a number of individuals who walk onto the stage. I've also watched the hypnotist walk through the crowd on the stage and only work with certain individuals. Um, what are they looking for? They're looking for people who are suggestible, who are who are who they can take into hypnosis quickly. Okay. And also, they're looking for people who want to work, who want to be part of the show. And they're, you know, stage hypnotists are trained to look for those things to look for who's, you know, who's really who's really, you know, gung-ho and yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to perform. And, okay. and, yeah, and they've, they've, many of them have been doing this for many years. Yes. And so, you know, they've honed their skill, I'm sure. And oh, yeah. knowing what to look for. I'm going to take us in a different direction. Um, I'd asked you about working with, I think I, I said 
anxiety. I used a word like that. And you, you very quickly were clear that you have to be very careful with the terminology and the terms that you use because you're not and don't profess to be a medical practitioner. Now, you are in Ontario and those are the rules that you're working on, working with them. So I don't know about the other provinces or elsewhere in the world. Yeah, that's something that the NGH negotiated for us. And they, that's, that's the terminology they ask us to use here. Um, I don't, I never see someone has anxiety. I could say they have stress. Okay. I would never say to someone they're depressed. I would never say someone is depressed. I, I could say they're sad. It's just, it's just, a, you know, it's just being careful because I don't want to be perceived as something I'm not. Okay. I've had people call me in back when we had lockdowns going on here in Ontario and you know, saying, well, can you see, you know, can I come into your office for a session? I would, and I, I had to say no, because we're in lockdown. Yeah. And people have said to me, but aren't you a medical person? Like, aren't you an essential service? And I've had to, and I've said flat out, look, I am not a medical professional. So I do not believe I would be considered an essential service. Okay. Okay. Um, I do want to ask though, and are there any risks? For an individual considering exploring hypnotherapy from no, no. your knowledge okay. to my knowledge no there are i do not work with people who have epilepsy okay um because i don't want because people get so relaxed and you know i just don't want to do anything that could trigger a seizure oh absolutely and you you actually said that you spend time up front with a, your potential clients where you assess fit um, and I was going to ask what you what you're looking for. So I guess those are the kinds of things that you would explore uh, with a potential client. Yeah, I ask those questions. Um, basically, I offer potential clients a 45 minute consultation, and that's just a conversation to gauge what they want to achieve, how how motivated they are to achieve it. You know, and my question is, I ask on on a scale of one to ten. How motivated are you? And don't tell me a number you think I want to hear. Tell me a number that is true to you because you can lie to me, but you can't lie to yourself. And if you, mm -hmm. if you say, yeah, I'm a 10 out of 10, but you're really at a six, you know, you're going to be wasting my time and your, our time and your money because, you know, you're not, you're not going to achieve what you want. If someone tells me they're under an eight on that scale, I suggest that they call me back when they can at least get to at least an eight. I love the integrity. Yeah, I mean, because otherwise you could be taking money for not. Uh, and I don't want, I do not want to do that. I know how hard it is to earn money and I'm not going to take somebody's money if they're not, if they're not ready. Yeah. I can actually tell you an, an interesting story. I once had a woman call me and I get this call every December at least once. Do you sell gift certificates? And a lady oh. called and a lady woman called and she said, I want to get a gift certificate for my boyfriend so he can quit smoking with hypnosis. And I said, first of all, I don't sell those because it's a very personal thing. And, you know, A, the person might be offended if you did that. And so here's what you can do if, you, if it's, you have two choices. And if it's really important to you, here's how much, it's, you know, I can give you a price. You can give him the money for Christmas because he, I want the client, the client to hand me, to pay me. So I know they're invested in it. Mm -hmm. But don't, but don't, you know, don't get upset with them if he goes off and buys something else with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to save some money, what, here's what you can do. Why don't you book a consultation for him? 
And this was back in the days when people were, I could see people in the office. Mm -hmm. I can now again. Um, but book a consultation for them. I'll send you, I'll put it in my calendar. I'll invite you to it. You can print off the appointment, give that to him for Christmas. Then he can come in, you know, by himself or with you, it doesn't matter. And then have the consultation and he can determine if he want, if he's ready. And so she did that and they came in together one afternoon and we talked and we determined he wasn't ready. He didn't really want to quit smoking. Mm. So she was able to make the gesture yeah. and say, honey, I really love to have you quit smoking yeah. and hypnosis can work. So I booked, you know, so I booked a consultation for us to go talk to this person. And it's that, you know, it'll be, if you decide you want to go forward with it, I'll pay for it. Wow. Wonderful so she was probably story. girlfriend of the season and, uh, well, somebody who was very kind, and I'm really glad that she took your your good counsel uh, in in approaching that with uh, with her fella. Yeah. You're also a Reiki master, and although you've mentioned that you're not doing a lot of that, can you tell us a little bit about what Reiki is for our listeners? Absolutely, Reiki. The first word I say about Reiki is it's wonderful. I think everybody should everybody should know how to do it. Um, Reiki is an energetic like people say healing technique. I don't really like the word healing because it, it, it is healing, but basically it's, a, it's universal life force energy. And a Reiki practitioner receives what are called attunements. So they can receive this energy, channel it up through their hands to their client. And then the energy goes to the client and it goes where it's needed and does the work that is needed. Um, and you know, someone may say, gee, I want Reiki to help me with this, but I always say, don't be surprised if it does something else because you get what you need, not what you want. And so basically it's just, it's energy that helps, what's the word, facilitate the client's healing process. Okay. And again, does the client need to be receptive um, and in that, that, that headspace to, um, to receive the energy that's being, that's coming through the Reiki practitioner? Well, if they're going for a session, they're probably receptive to it. Okay. But anyway, but yeah, they, it should be, you have, you should have permission before you do Reiki on anybody. Mm, that's a good point. That's you know, because point. there's distance Reiki where you can do Reiki long distance and that it always, you know, it's basically, you definitely want permission to do that either by the person receiving or a guardian. Okay. You know, okay. like if you do work on an animal, for example, the animal can't say yes, but the guardian, can, the owner can say, yes, please give my dog Reiki or give my cat Reiki or whatever. And okay. it's a I, really cool thing. And I'd never thought about um, providing Reiki to our pets. That's Would you like point. to really hear a really cool animal Reiki story? Sure. Yeah. Um, one of my previous poodles, Bella, she had a sister named Daisy. And I had, I had helped the breeder with their website several years ago. And I came home one day from a trip to Oshawa and I had a, my husband said, Peter called from Cantop. And I said, oh, okay. And I called him back. It was our emails messed up. And I said, okay, I need your, I need your GoDaddy information to log in to see what's going on. And he said, well, my wife has that and she's busy having puppies right now. I said, Diane's having puppies. And he said, yeah, she's with Daisy and Daisy's due to give birth anytime now. I said, okay, can we talk tomorrow? And so we talked the next morning at 8.30. My first words were, how's Daisy? 
And he said, not good. She hasn't had the puppies yet. And if she has to have them by 10, we'll take her to the vet for a C-section. Mm-hmm. I said, oh man, because she should have had the puppies like 12 hours earlier. And so I said, would you mind if I sent her some distance Reiki? And he said, yeah, sure. Knock yourself out basically because he mm-hmm. didn't really believe in it as much mm-hmm. as, as his wife and sister did. Mm-hmm. And so I got off the phone and I started, I pulled Daisy's picture up on Facebook and I started sending her distance Reiki. I was in Toronto. They were like, North, they were two out, two and a half hours away. Okay. And so, um, she was in Oakville, but anyway. Um, so I started sending the Reiki and doing this, did all the stuff to do it. And I'm sending Reiki to this dog and about 10, 15 minutes in my lower stomach starts feeling weird. I'm thinking, oh, I got to stop now. And so I did and went on with my morning and a half an hour later or so, I was talking to the guy again and he said, as soon as you started sending the Reiki, Daisy started whelping her puppies. Wow. And yeah, well, I was right. And, and I told him about my stomach and he said, well, the reason your stomach was in distress is one of the puppies was in distress. Oh, interesting. So you actually, was, you actually could feel. I felt something. Yeah. 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 And so um, the first puppy position to be born was dead. But she was able to get that puppy out, and then she had five healthy puppies. Oh, wow. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Holy mackerel. And I was going to ask whether you can do Reiki remotely. So you've answered my my question there. Um, Because many of our listeners are worldwide. So if they're interested in working with you, then then that's a possibility. Um, What about for hypnotherapy? Can that be done? It must be, because I know that you've continued to practice through the pandemic. So it's also a practice can be done Absolutely. Um, online, working with somebody. Okay, so that's a good, good, um, good thing to know. Do you have a typical client? Um, typical client? Not really. Anybody who really wants to make a positive change. And, but the important thing is the people who are, the client has to be ready to want to make that change. Okay, so that would be the, the typical piece of, the people that you work with yeah the people who are ready and willing to make the change they want to make i mean i've worked with people for things such as nail biting to i helped to work with a lady in germany early back in march helped her get ready to have a baby with which is mm. kind of cool yeah now when you and i were talking earlier you said something about mothers and daughters and all i wrote down was mothers and daughters oh gee i can't remember now Okay. I don't remember now. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so we, we do need to start bringing the podcast to a close. Is there anything that I've not thought to ask you about that will be um, some additional information for our listeners? Um, not really. You've, you've asked a lot of really good questions. Um, I would like just to say that there are a few myths about hypnosis that I would like, uh, I, I'd love to, to you know, mention and clear up. Please. We talked about one. You can't get stuck in hypnosis. Okay. You're fully in control in hypnosis. You cannot be made to do anything that you do not want to do in hypnosis. And it's just such an amazing process. It's just such a great way to achieve the positive change that people want. As you say, it's getting to the root Mm -hmm. that some of the other programs don't touch and is a nice combination. Exactly. Like, like all those, a lot of those other weight loss plans are great. Like I think Weight Watchers has a really good plan. Mm-hmm, they do. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I think 
hypnosis. It's just a nice combination with it. Okay. Okay. Good. I I, I just I really appreciate because I think it's important for us to know about alternate healing methods, and you know the world is starting to embrace a lot more of that. I remember um, you know the use of of um, oh the tuning fork with the mm -hmm. I can't remember the, the the needles that yeah. That's a form of dousing. Dousing, just a whole bunch of different things that people are um, seeing as as methods that might work for them, where some of the other more traditional haven't, and they're having success with them. So, for our listeners, um, I'm sorry, but uh, hypnotherapy is probably not covered by no. your employer's benefit uh, health benefits plan. Um, but it might be something for you to consider and try, um, particularly if you, like me, have not had the success that you've hoped for with some of those other programs or perhaps consider doing um, uh, both in combination with one another. And like Julia, who used it to quit biting her nails and something that you had not been able to do before, um, you said to me, really, people need to consider it as an investment in themselves. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, probably not under those, those health company health plans. Now for our listeners, if you're interested in, in connecting with Julia, uh, learning more, perhaps booking one of those consultation calls, I've put all her contact information in the show notes for the podcast, but it is time for us to fly and uh, to bring our time together to a close. We, Julie and I, both hope that you have found today's session interesting and perhaps um, a nugget or two to, to take away with you and helpful to listen to. I will be back again next week. I hope you will join me again as you, you guessed it, you dare to soar because we believe you can. Julia and Susan signing out. Um, bye for now and thank you, Julia. You're welcome. Thank you, Susan. Have a great day, everybody. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.